0: You are listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Javan-Okelo, live from Seattle, Washington, USA. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for another amazing episode of the African Father in America podcast. My name is Simon Javan-Okelo, and uh, I am in Seattle, Washington. And today I have a really special guest, uh, someone I have a lot of love and respect for. Larry J. Snyder. Larry, go ahead and say hi to everyone who is joining us before we begin the rest of the show.
1: Good morning, everyone. I'm so thankful for this time with you, Simon. We've been trying to do this for quite some time, so I'm glad it finally came about. Me too, me
0: too, me too. I'm so excited, uh, you know, that that you took the time to join us today despite your busy schedule. So before we continue on with the conversation, we're just going to begin exploring today's uh, proverb, that, um, you know, I'll just bring it on the screen here so that everybody who is joining us for the show can see it and begin engaging with it. Uh, This one is from Ethiopia, and it says that let rats shoot arrows at each other. And uh, as usual, I have a few nuggets of wisdom related to this proverb. I'm, I'm going to share them just quickly, and then we will we will ask Clary to also share his own perspectives on, in in regards to this proverb. Uh, the first nugget of wisdom uh, says that, uh, and, and again, this uh, proverb is related to let rats shoot arrows at each other. Uh, this nugget of wisdom says that direct your efforts towards goals that truly matter. You know, uh, be be sure of you know the limited energy that you have, where are you putting it towards, you know? Uh, and then the second nugget of wisdom says that instead of channeling your energy into, uh, it says, channel your energy into meaningful pursuits. You know, you might be putting in a lot of efforts into something in life, but it, it might not be purposeful, you know? So it's always important to reflect on what you're spending your time on. And if if it's something that, is good but not purposeful then you really need to rethink about where you're spending your energy if you want to be successful or if you want to grow personally and then the last nugget of wisdom says that reserve your efforts for, for situations where your input is really needed you know sometime you just have a few arrows you just have a few um you know We all have, there's only 24 hours in a day. My wife tells me this all the time, you know. And so, you know, where do you want to take these hours? You know, so uh, sometimes it's just better to rest than to waste the hours that we have. So Larry, uh, I'll introduce you properly, but I just want you to take a quick stab at this proverb and share with us what it is that uh, it reminds you of.
1: Well, first of all, the you said several things in those nuggets, but the one thing that is um, become very clear to me is about time. And there, like you said, there's only 24 hours in a day, and it is helpful if you sleep a little bit during those 24 hours. Um, but um, for me, what keeps me on track and what allows me to uh, filter my time is. Um, all the way back in 1988. When when were you born? Uh, Simon? 83 83. Okay. So When, <laughs> yeah. when you were five years old, uh, I was just trying to transition into the second part of my professional life. I grew up in the home furnishings business with my family. And I really wanted to um, take on the the goals that I, I believed were possible for myself. And so On uh, March 19th, 1988, I went back in the office and um, I put a three by five card, a paper card, in the typewriter. And I typed out 10 objectives that I wanted the rest of my life, or at least my wayfinders for the next several years to be like, and I'm still on those 10. So whenever I filter a time when someone says to me or an opportunity comes in front of me that's really what i call my wayfinders and those 10 goals um, are still again my roadmap for life and uh, if i can't somehow even tangentially associate whatever this opportunity is in front of me is to one of those goals i find a way uh, to to pass or to find someone that has the resources Greater than myself, especially time. So, anyway, that, that nugget of, of time matters a lot to me. Uh, I'm also um, 60, I'm, I'm 60, it'll be 62 years old coming up. And um, although my life goal is to live till 98 and a half plus one day, I have um, unfortunately uh, been at several funerals in the last several years and uh, seen that uh, people's lives were were shorter than they thought they were going to be. So time is uh, of great value to me.
0: hundred percent, hundred percent. I just love your perspectives on time. And uh, we are going to have a lot of time to talk about, uh, you know, your story. We are going to talk about, today our conversation really is going to be centered around uh, fundraising and some of the incredible work that you're doing in Seattle uh to support uh, you know people who are changing the world people who are raising money to make a difference uh, especially in africa so those who are uh, joining us for the show thank you so much i know that there are quite a few of you who are joining us on youtube which is our main platform but we also have uh, right now we're also live on linkedin we are live on amp which is an amazon uh, app that i love uh, going live on during this show Uh, And we're also live on Twitter, now it's called X, uh, and also Facebook. So wherever you might be, or even if you're going to be listening to this show later on, on Apple Podcasts, where we are a five-star rated podcast, I just want you to share with us your perspective. Make sure you're leaving your comment, you're sharing this conversation, uh, and you're letting us know how you feel about today's proverb. So those who are meeting Larry for the first time, he's a Washington state-based, uh, hands-on philanthropist. He lives not too far from me in Redmond, Washington, and he's done extraordinary work. Uh, you know, he's he's been to multiple countries across the world, you know, from Ethiopia, Tanzania, Vietnam. Uh, he he's, he's done incredible work, and he, he's also written a number of books, you know, and he's a, he's a moth and TED speaker. He's also a Starbucks community champion. He does incredible incredible work, you know. He's also a family man and today we are we are stealing a lot of your time Larry and you you're going to share with us just um at the beginning of our conversation I want you to reflect back to a time when you are maybe 8 years old uh 8 to 12 uh to a story that really inspires who you are, you know. Uh a story that you know in drives you to continue doing good around the world, helping people like me. I'm actually a beneficiary of your philanthropy. One Five Africa is a beneficiary of your generosity. Uh, So I want you to speak about where did this start?
1: Sure. Well, it's funny you said you used the term uh, or or the period of eight to to 12 years old. And eight years old is actually when uh, I first um, became a part of my grandfather's staff at his furniture store and uh he uh he he let me work in the back room unpacking furniture and i got so good at that he let me wash the truck and then he let me uh let me vacuum and then all of a sudden um i was spending a lot of time um just preparing the store making it look uh l- making it look nice and such and my grandfather's um he he had several really important pieces to his um, business life. One of them was he had a sign uh, up on the back door where all the furniture went out for delivery. And that sign said that um, there is no traffic jam on the extra mile. And what he wanted all of the people that worked for him to realize is that, yes, we we had a showroom full of furniture. But what we really had was our ability to handle it and deliver it and share uh, our care with each customer who was nice enough to um, to buy furniture from him. So he lived that proverb or that quote um, every day of his life, he built community before he built a business. And it turned out that the two coincided and he built a a very uh, productive um, multi store furniture business uh, that I got to watch from a very young age. And so um, I don't know if it's in view here. I can't quite see. Let me see if I can. So do you see the picture behind me, Simon?
0: Right. I do. I do.
1: Okay. That is a picture of his furniture store. Mm. And every, every morning I wake up, that's the first thing I look at. Because it reminds me of where I come from. But it also reminds me of who I honor today, because I wouldn't be where I am today without hundreds of other people that have influenced my life. But also, he was the first. My grandfather was the first, and he influenced my father's life. He influenced many, many people who worked for him that wanted to uh, take on uh, his attributes. And um, that's really how I got to be where I am today is just. Uh, re-honoring him uh, every day of my life including my mother and we'll talk about my mother in in uh, a little bit but my grandfather was really can and continues to be uh, the main influencer and in, um, business community um, family those things that are really important to me that's so wonderful I love family business I love
0: family stories uh... I speak about my mother a lot in this show and that's part of why I ask this question around the age of eight, you know, uh, because nobody just showed up here from nowhere, you know. Uh, A lot of leaders, a lot of business people, uh, their journey begins around that time because my journey began around that time. My mother gave me a bicycle at uh, eight years old And i began helping her to distribute milk and bread in our neighborhood and that is that is what really uh, created who i am today and a lot of my enthusiasm my discipline came from those years so um, i just thank you so much i see that a few uh, people are joining us here live for the show thank you so much make sure you're commenting so that we know where in the world you're joining us for the show today if you are just you know, uh, joining the show, we are having a beautiful conversation with my special guest today, Larry J. Snyder, who is a philanthropist and also an author, and he's based here in Seattle, Washington, in Redmond. And we just covered a beautiful story that drives who he is. But really, we want to go even further. You know, uh, Larry, you've helped so many organizations. I can't even count how many. Maybe you could tell us. But... Uh, talk to us about uh, when you think about all the projects you've helped fundraise for. Um, I remember we raised over 30000 for One Vibe Africa together with you uh, like two years or three years in a row before the pandemic uh, towards the education, music, and art program in Kenya. But this is just one example. I feel like every week you do something for a different organization. So that's why I wanted to invite you to the show today uh, so that you can... Uh, number one, motivate a lot of uh, leaders, you know, there are nonprofits being created every single day. And a lot of nonprofits created in the US are meant to benefit Africa, you know. And so uh, I wanted you to, uh, number one, share some of your most exciting projects that you have uh, supported, and then talk about, uh, you know, some of the some of the challenges you've been seeing organizations going through lately, and also maybe a couple of tips. You know, these are some of the ways that you can uh, fundraise, survive and thrive, especially post the pandemic.
1: Sure. I'm so excited about several uh, opportunities and I, I truly see each of these, Simon, as a privilege, a privilege that I get the opportunity to impact because philanthropy, is based on trust. In other words, when I ask a donor group to help build a school, or a medical clinic, or a water project in uh, a third world country, they will never visit that country. They but they will trust that I'm the the instrument that will make it happen. And uh, so that I don't take lightly. Uh, I have learned over time, that trust is really the number one attribute that allows me to uh, do my work. And um, a couple of just quick things about um, exciting projects. Uh, I happen to love music like you do. So um, projects like One Vibe Africa, where children that uh, perhaps they are like me, they didn't excel academically, but they are highly gifted musically. And so they that's value, in my opinion. You, you pour in value where sometimes they might not feel that they are valued. And some of that, not some of it, but I think most of it comes from within. So once someone pours value into us and we realize that the things that we're good at are just as valuable as Um, academics or even excelling in sports, that's when purpose begins. And that's what I believe my overall mission, and my overall job is, is to pour mission and purpose into uh, whatever project I have been given. And that's on all levels. So if an executive director um, gets excited about uh, the possibilities after a conversation with me, that means that I have l- uplifted the mission and uplifted the purpose, and now we can move forward. Uh, as I said, uh, music, film, um, the spoken word, the um, I-, I love lyricists, for example. I think that songwriting is um, one of the most beautiful art forms out there, and there's a lot of beautiful art forms but when you take the melody of music and the beauty of lyrics and those are fused together, that's storytelling for me. And that's part of why I love the moth. You mentioned early on when you introduced me about moth. And if your audience isn't familiar with the moth radio hour, they should become familiar because it's a national storytelling organization that values the, the true art of storytelling. So, uh, And I've had the the privilege of speaking on the moth stage several times and I will continue to do it as often as I possibly can because it helps me continue to hone my skills as a storyteller. And that's a crucial part of what I do is help organizations like One Vibe tell their story in front of a donor group so that donor group feels comfortable making those contributions, but also so that they can become part of the story themselves. For example. Uh, when you talk about uh, in, in one vibes case, that child that um, that first gets their their first set of, of uh, percussion instruments, for example, and starts to, to beat on them to some music, and they start to pick up the rhythm and they start to pick up in the music, uh, the time signature, all of a sudden that child has some purpose. And that's why, in my opinion, one vibe, exists is to pour purpose into that little kid with that set of drums because once that kid gets good at those drums there's no stopping them right that kid is going to keep going and all of a sudden he's going to figure out or she's going to figure out that you know what this set of drums that i have i'd like four more and then i'd like some cymbals, and now i've got some sticks and i'm a drummer and that I hope is why one vibe exists because that's my interpretation of um of my what what I'm helping you to do.
0: 100%, 100%. In fact, last night I was talking to a friend of mine who is an incredible drama. He's the drama for One Vibe band here in Seattle, but he's also mentoring, you know, a drama in Kenya and uh, just last night we were talking about how we are going to be begin partnering with Reno, which is one of the biggest drum brands. And they are going to have him as one of the ambassadors for Africa, for education, for bringing Reno drums, drum heads to Africa. And so uh, we are going to be recruiting 20 drummers over the next week or so mm. that he will be developing through One Vibe Africa. And so uh, it's exact, it's almost like you were at the conversation we were having last night. So it's beautiful and uh, uh, I appreciate w- what you're just saying. So, you know, um, despite the, the good work that a lot of non-profit organizations do, a lot of them fail, you know, because they can't raise the money uh, that they need. You know, and I definitely have struggled... Uh, even though I feel like I'm one of the most resilient people, you know, uh, I I still struggle with consistently raising the money that I need to run One Vibe Africa, uh, you know, my nonprofit organization. And uh, there are a lot of nonprofit organizations that reach out to me, you know, because they go to our website, they see how beautiful it is. The first thing they ask is can you build us a website like yours or can you tell us who built yours and then we tell them hey we built this on our own then they say well can you build it for us you know and then you tell them it will cost this much then they say oh we don't have that budget you know so um you know what are some ideas for those nonprofit leaders who are watching or listening to our conversation what are some ideas that you could give them you know just basic ideas of of fundraising because a lot of organizations also can't f- afford to do a formal gala of, you know, and uh, GoFundMe does not really work anymore because it is, oh, it's saturated. Too many things going on there. So um, share a few ideas and then I want to also share how I began fundraising here in Seattle from the very, very first days of my time as a newly immigrated person into the US. <laughs>
1: Sure. The thing that I love about raising money and helping nonprofits um, raise money or develop ideas around raising money in uh, and I'm just going to use Africa because that's the top of mind is the power of money. And what I mean by that is the power and this is the story that I believe every African nonprofit can use, and that is the story of the power of money. So the power of money in the United States and the power of money in Africa are two different things for me. And what I mean by that, and I'm going to use an example of, um, uh, for example, building a school in West Africa, because that's a real example that I can cite. So I can lead a donor group of a nonprofit organization and we can build a school for 200 children including trained teachers, uniforms, um, latrines, uh, equipment, so, uh, you know, soccer shirts and, um, uh, and pants, and uh, everybody has to have a soccer team, in my opinion, uh, every school. Um, Simon, we can do all of that for $75,000. Now, if you contrast that with what you can do for seventy five thousand dollars in the united states you can buy a tesla that's basically the contrast right and i know that's a, not a not a very uh, good contrast but that's what i'm trying to get a, a, across here is that the value that we can create for seventy five thousand dollars in west africa uh, and, and it's great it, it's actually a great question back to you is what can you do with seventy five thousand dollars at at, uh in kenya
0: that's a beautiful that's a a, if i got seventy five thousand uh today i would run one vibe africa's education music and art program in kisumu for three years you know Mm -hmm. and that is paying between seven to 15 people's salaries uh every month paying all the bills improving all the buildings you know uh equipping a lot of our spaces that don't have uh you know the equipments that we need for three years we will be good you know
1: (laughs) so that's kind of where i lead with um with african nonprofits that call me and ask me for ideas is i want to start there and the reason why i want to start there is because people that uh, and i'll put myself uh, in this that were born here in the united states Uh, we, we believe that everything, um, at least the lens of a lot of people are based on the costs here, but if we're doing fundraising for one vibe Africa or schools for Salone or reach another foundation or any of these other, um, incredibly productive organizations in Africa, that should be the beginning of the story. When you have a donor group, is the value of money in country not the value of money here we raise the money here but the funds are invested in africa or again uh, wherever uh, outside this country so the power of money is different in the united states than it is here and that's the beginning in my opinion of every story that should be told about fundraising and what a value Uh, what an excellent value proposition it is to lift up 200 kids that will not have uh, a a path to education, uh, unless we provide it for them. And um, I think about the 200 kids, for example, um, just pre pandemic, um, I was in Sierra Leone, and uh, I had the privilege of uh, leading a a donor group uh, to build a school that ended up being dedicated to my mother. And when I think about and I think about these kids every day, um, there are 200 children out in this middle of nowhere in uh, the Eastern region of Sierra Leone, who now have the potential to be the leaders of their country in the future, not really even in the future, tomorrow, because they can speak English, they can read English and they can write uh, English. And that's the ticket, right? That is the ticket to, uh, allowing them to leave their village, go to the capital and, um, and, and really begin, um, a, a productive path out of subsistent farming. There's nothing wrong with subsistent farming. It just doesn't move humanity, um, for that village forward, like an education does. So Anyway, the value of money and the power of money are different outside the United States than they are here, especially in Africa.
0: 100%, 100%. The dollar goes a long way.
1: (laughs) Well, you said it yourself. $75,000 will run your programs for three years.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's definitely easier, especially in the Seattle area. We have people who can easily write that check, you know. So if you're watching and you can write us that check, you know.
1: <laughs> I just make it out to one by I know,
0: one. I know, I know. Well, um, one thing that people say about aid and, uh, you know, fundraising and nonprofit work is that it's not sustainable, is that uh, it's a cycle, it's a never-ending cycle, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while I believe in that, uh, that it's, it, it, you know, that... It's true that you know if you if if you, te- if you depend too much on on aid and you're always asking for help and you're not thinking about uh, creating businesses that surround your your philanthropic efforts, uh, then it's true that you might if, if you lose your donor base, you might stop running the programs that the community depends on uh, some time to survive. You know, uh, speak to that for a moment uh as we get towards the end of our conversation
1: sure so my um my favorite uh word in another language is davidere and that's a a latin based word um in italiano uh that means to share and davidere is the is what most of us want to do with our giving we want to share it and um so i don't think it's a problem That nonprofits have to keep running money, uh, keep keep raising funds, because that's how the that's how the mission gets moved forward. What has to happen though is that the donor needs to know that there's value in that, that 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 five hundred dollars that they donate um, is of value. So communication is key. Uh, In other words, those annual reports are not quite enough. Uh, I believe that you must produce some type of either monthly or quarterly progress report that simply says, I took your $500 and we funded a water project. And so instead of having 100 children that are sick because of waterborne diseases, we only have 40 now. And our goal is to get to zero. And as we raise funds to make sure that everyone in the village has a water filter, that will, uh, again, that's a very simple example of making sure that we are giving value to the funds. And that way, I will continue to devidere to, um, to, to that cause.
0: I love that, I love that. And I definitely, uh, I'm, I'm seasonal as a, as a nonprofit leader. And that is not good for donors. Donors need you to communicate consistently. But sometimes, especially because of how small we've been, uh, I don't communicate. This is one of the, I think, my weaknesses, or the weaknesses of One Vibe Africa, is we have, you know, for, for, for like the first five years of our existence, we were very proactive in terms of sharing the impact that we are having. Then we go to a place where... I could not just do it all. You know, I had three kids and all of that. And I think a lot of nonprofit leaders and organizations go through these phases. But I think the key is to build a team so that it doesn't have to be Simon doing the reporting and uh, the engagement with the donors. And also, luckily, we now have social media. If you inform your donors that hey uh, you you can learn more through our newsletter you can learn more through our social media these are the stories we are sharing daily weekly monthly then at least they are aware but I definitely I definitely want nonprofit organizations to watch this conversation to listen to this conversation because there's so much uh, goodness that we really covered today Larry what is it that I didn't ask that uh, you'd like to speak to as we wrap up our conversation today
1: I think one of the really important parts of this, and you just alluded to it, is who is the face of One Vibe Africa? And it is, it is Simon. And you need to uh, continue to accept that as a leader, that you are the face. And even if you feel like you need to bring other people in, don't ever, uh, don't ever forget where you come from because that's really what um, what people what donors want is they want to be sure that that one face person that they trusted is always going to be uh, in the lead. Now, we can talk about succession planning and all that for another time, but the bottom line Simon is that when I think of One Vibe Africa, I think of you. And so just keep uh, keep being the face of the organization even if you have lots going on in the background. Just keep accepting that role uh, because that's what we that's what we think of when we think of One Vibe Africa.
0: Thank you, thank you so much, Larry. Uh, you know I have so many questions to ask you. Uh, I'll ask just one last question because I know we have to go. One of the things I admire about you is uh, at all the events we've we've uh, been to together, you are always probably the most nicely dressed person and also i didn't know your age i didn't know that you are over 60 and you always look young when i meet you you know you always you know your posture is always you know upright and you're always smiling you're always talking to people you're always engaging people uh and making sure everybody's doing well introducing people to each other where do you get all this energy uh and how, how do you stay fit and uh and sane you know despite all these communities that you're a part of
1: well this is the spirit of my mother for sure living in me she um put herself in the middle of a really tough situation when she was young as a director of a preschool daycare center in holly park which is a very tough part of seattle and so we were Caucasian family in the middle of uh, African American community. And to survive in that situation, you need to be as welcoming as possible. But you also need people to know each other. And so that's where I learned that if you can if I if I see Simon, and I have another friend over here, I know something common about both of them that I want them to know. So my mother taught her children and her staff that you need to make the world smaller for everyone because if i can again get get simon to know this person that that is here then then my world again just got smaller not necessarily bigger and so did yours because i brought somebody towards you that i knew or at least i felt you needed to meet now then i have to get out of the way and let that friendship develop if that's what's meant to be but at least I planted the seed, and then you are the water that waters it. That's
0: that's a perfect uh, place for us to end our conversation today because it's just getting better. So I thank you, Larry, uh, and I can't wait for us to do this again. Uh, I just uh, you know hope that you have uh, a nice rest of your summer. I know the summer is coming to an end here, but I just thank you so much. Uh, I'll be in touch.
1: Yes. Okay. Thank you so much, Simon. I hope you have a good day today. Okay. You too.
0: Take care. And thank you to all our viewers and listeners. Uh, this has been a beautiful conversation with Larry Jay Snyder, who is a philanthropist, and we'll be bringing him back as a guest so that we talk about his books because he's an author too. Uh, the book that we'll be covering when we come back with Larry over the next few weeks is called Which One Am I? So we'll we'll, we'll see you all very soon. Thanks a lot, Larry. Have a beautiful day. African
1: father in America. Tujikaze, ah. tujikaze,
0: jikaze. jikaze. African father in America. jikaze. You are listening to African Father in
1: America podcast by Simon Kelly.